Welcome to the Founders Journey Podcast. Uh, I'm one of the hosts, Greg Moran. We're about to introduce the other host, who's also our guest today. But since this is our first go round at this in our first episode, a um, little, uh, little different format today. Uh, our goal with the podcast is really to, to send out a weekly version of um, actionable tips on leading a startup and really the personal stories behind the founder's journey. And you know that that journey is a unique one, I think, to everybody. But certainly, there are common elements of the challenges that we face, and the uh, and what our life turns into after we uh, after we embark on that entrepreneurial path. So that's the goal of the podcast. Uh, I'm Greg Moran. I'm the co-founder and managing partner of Evergreen Mountain Equity Partners. We're a venture investment firm. Um, we focus solely on the on future of work technology. So the technologies that are really kind of defining what the workforce of the futures look like. Um, I founded several companies prior to this, most recently uh, a company called Outmatch. Now uh, now they're called Harvard, uh, which we built into one of the world's leading uh, talent selection uh, companies focused on the hourly workforce on a global level. Recently exited that back uh, at the top of the year um, with uh, after 13 years of leading that company. So I had quite the, quite the journey of my own there. And um, Today I'm pretty active on uh, on Twitter and posting tips and insights on startups and the founder's journey every day at uh, at Evergreen Mountain Equity Partners there up over my shoulder. So, uh, introducing our guest today, who after today will also be my co-host in the uh, in the podcast. Uh, Peter Dean is uh, is our guest today. Peter's a repeat entrepreneur. He's currently CEO of a company called Render Tribe. I'll let him tell you about that in a second. Um, He's had some big success, successes, and like uh, like every I think entrepreneur who's gone down this path has had some uh, has had some darker days in that in that journey as well. So we're going to get into that a little bit today. So Peter, welcome. Thank you. Um, it's 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 cool that I'm the first guest, and you guys get to hear about my story. But um, we'll do it. We're going to do this for Greg too, so that you can get to know us. So if anyone that watches the podcast or listens to the podcast, we'll have a video up eventually. As well, so if you want to see it on YouTube, but um, you'll get a chance to just get to know who we are and, and kind of our story. And just just so you have a little bit of back story on Greg and I, we actually um, had the same journey in the same office, and that's how we became friends. Um, I needed an office uh, when I started Render Tribe many years ago, uh, almost thirteen years ago now, and uh, he had a, a desk, and I, I took it. And uh, <laughs> so there were, I think there were For, four, forcibly, forcibly took it. I think four or five companies in there. I was like, Oh, we don't have room. I'm like, there's like a little desk over in the corner there. I think I could handle. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm the founder. I don't know. I don't know if, if I should be calling myself a CEO until I have a certain number of employees. <laughs> um, so I call myself a founder of render tribe. Um, render tribe is a, uh, we're, we're, we're a customer acquisition agency. And I say that because if I told you we were a marketing agency, uh, that it would do a disservice to everything we do. Um, so we focus on uh, B2B SaaS companies and growth mode, either um, after private equity purchase them or right after they're funded uh, by a venture capital firm. And they're at that very important growth mode. We help companies grow uh, from a uh, marketing sales and is supporting all the tech. 
um, that they need to kind of measure that growth um, and make sure we're hitting KPIs and things like that. So that's what we do. Um, we have 19 employees now, so I don't think I've hit the the CEO level yet with 19 employees. It's kind of like I think you're there, Peter. You think so? I think whether 19, you like it or not, you're there. You could call it that, but. Um, when I when it was like one employee, my first employee that sat next to me in the office that Greg leased us, um, you know, I can't call myself a CEO of one person, uh, but anyhow, that's. Um, but we met and we've actually raced three Ironman together. I know if you watch the video right now, it's not apparent that we've done a triathlon. <laughs> Speak for yourself, man. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we finished them. They all got finished. Maybe not all of them, but three of them Some, did. Sometimes more, sometimes more elegantly than others. So, <laughs> yeah. go, go back a little bit. Where did your where did your entrepreneurial journey start? So I I worked I, I started out in sales uh, for big companies. I worked for uh, a company called MCI, and then I worked for a company called FedEx. I'm sure everyone's heard of that one. Um, and uh, and then I just it just felt like I didn't belong there uh, in many ways. So I started my first company. It was a company called Athletic Dynamics, um, and um, I had a partner in that deal, um, and that it was kind of like a base hit. It was successful. It, it worked. It didn't throw off an enormous amount of money. Um, we were going to scale it. We decided, my, my partner at the time said, you know, he didn't want to scale as much as I did, so I started my next company. I sold that to him. Um, my next company was in the e-commerce space. Um, and that grew, uh, that started out and grew really fast. Um, and we grew, uh, we were somewhat underfunded uh, at the time, uh, grew into trouble. Um, that one was, uh, that was a, a big learning experience for me. Obviously everyone was, but uh, like one of our investors that was, we funded it. Um, the first company I funded, uh, the second one, I had investors and then uh, this past one I bootstrapped uh, out of necessity, but I'll tell you about that. So, so go back to the, go back to the one, go back to your last one upside over because that one's a, that one's a a crazy story. This was what about 2008? Five, I think at lunch. I forget. It's so long ago now. So So eight is when we got into trouble. So, um, <laughs> well, before we get into the trouble, yeah. what did the business, what did the business do? So we were outdoor gear for kids. So, um, I'm an out, like, obviously we talk about triathlon, I've hiker biking, um, all kinds of outdoor stuff. And, um, I was a huge REI customer and I lived in the West coast. We lived in the Bay area. And, um, once we had kids, I went to REI and like, I would always talk to the people and we're like, Hey, what should we get? What are you doing? And they were like, we were like connected. And then when I walked in, I'm like, Hey, what do we do for like a jog stroller for like doing this in the hills of San Francisco where we used to run. And they're just like, I don't know. Like there, there was like, they didn't have an answer for me. Because you were looking for really specialty gear. I mean, you weren't looking for like, go to, you know, your local department store and buy the, buy the Huffy bike or no, we hiked in the, we hiked in, in the Sierras and we wanted to keep doing that with our kids. So and then we, you know, we're running on trails with roots and rocks and stuff on them. And so we wanted like this stroller with shocks on it, right? It's like not, not the least expensive option, but the most functional option for what we were doing. So I came up with the idea, um, 
I started the other company first because I was kind of scared of this idea. Uh, as like my first entrepreneurial foray was a little softer, easier kind of, and it basically turned out that way. Because the first business was more like a consulting. I mean, it was, I know yeah, it wasn't services. technically consulting, but it was services and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, we, out, we outsource strength coach, strength coaches and athletic trainers to uh, schools and universities. And my partner was a strength coach and a physical therapist. And he was that piece of it. And I ran the business side and we scaled. Um, right. So, so that, that piece of the job, I mean, this was an, e that was that, that previous business, the athletic diamonds yeah. was an easier, kind of an easier one to start. Yeah. Not easier. a lot of capital, not a lot of, right. you don't have to go out and get a bunch of investors. You're doing right. what you do this, already. But then you go into upside over and upside over is an e-commerce business. Yeah. And it was a little scary, uh, you know, it was much scarier. Um, so it's interesting because every business I started, I started, uh, right when a child is born and, and people are like, you just have another baby. You just started another company. Right. Just to clarify one of your children, not just any child. Was born, right? <laughs> so one right. of my kids, uh, for each one basically was at the beginning of it. And, you know, my wife's probably like, what in God's name, we just did this. Now you're going to do it. What are you doing now? Or what are we doing now? Because it's not me. It's we, because they, unfortunately for them <laughs> have to go on this we could have a whole podcast with our wives on here talking about what that's like. Bad idea. I don't know if the, that's a good idea or not. That's a horrible idea. <laughs> the, uh, but, but it is, I mean, I think it's a really important point, right? Because when you, when you start to embark on this, on this path, it's not just, right. And, yeah. you know, maybe you're not married, maybe you've got a significant other, maybe it's your, it's your parents or your, or yeah. your siblings or, you're not a you know, when you go down this road, you really, that support becomes a really, it's critical super, part of starting. Yeah, it's super important. And I'll talk about it in what you, I'm sure you want to talk about the end of Upside Over um, and how that is. But um, but yeah, so Upside Over was really focused on, it was a passion business. I was really into what we were doing and why we we're doing it. We, we built a mission. Uh, one of my investors, good friend of mine, uh, got together in a, a Marriott and, and we we're in there just coming up with what is this business and what's the mantra and where is this going to go? And um, when we built that, I I'd done it for like six months and then we did that. And then after that happened, it just grew. Like it was so clear. Cl clarify, when you say after that happened, after, after what happened, after the so we, kind of, I, we, we came up with a mantra and we said, okay, what, what is the mission? What is, what is our mission? And what we came up with the mantra and the mantra was inspire, advise, and equip. And it was inspire families to get outdoors, advise them on what gear to use to make sure their kids are feel safe and secure and comfortable when they do it. And then uh, sell them the gear, right? Get the right stuff for them source it, find it. What is the best stuff? Always testing. We're testing stuff constantly and then sell it to them and then get them to inspire other people, other parents to be not afraid to go hike in the Sierras with your. So, you know, so what we were really doing that, I mean, you were building a community, yes. right? I mean, this was highly specialized equipment yeah. that you were selling to a certain type of very yeah. athletic families or outdoor you know, or, oriented or with family. really gifted children, athletically gifted children, or and just like hikers, climbers, people that wanted to 
keep doing this as a family. And they didn't have to be, we had, we did find some gifted athletes, like some of the cyclist kids. And we had a bike that was like a legit road bike with 24 inch wheels. And again, I'm talking shop, but that is a small road bike that was a thousand dollars, but it was a real road bike. So we had kids that were riding like 30 miles with their parent, you know, that were 10 or nine. And that's, you know, unique, but we also had kids and family that were hiking the local trail. And if that's what you did with your, the rest of your family before the child shows up, you want to keep doing that. And your biggest fear is, are they going to like it? And what we learned is that you got to make sure they feel comfortable. They enjoy it. If it's rainy, they want to be dry. And so all of these things are the things that were important to us and making sure we got the right gear for them so that it's not a bad experience the first time so that they'll go again and actually enjoy it like you do. And so that was kind of our whole mission is to inspire families to get out there, talk about the stories, share it within that community of our e-commerce site really, and then sell them gear. And we, you know, we sold them Patagonia stuff, North Face stuff, all kinds of different things that we found and sold. So when you look at when you and we're yeah. going to get to the we're going to get to the end of the story, which is which, <laughs> yeah. is, uh, which is a pretty part. crazy one. But if you if you look at it today, the parallel there, I think if you when you think about the way that particularly East Commerce brands or direct to consumer brands, right. or then this was really a direct to consumer brand that you were building before that was Correct. really a, yeah. too much of a thing. Yeah, that that concept of audience building right is a big one today, and community yeah, building absolutely. being kind of the lead. You know, it's it's sort of the give before you can get mindset, right? Of, Absolutely. We're going to go out there. We're going to inspire these people to do something that they that they want to continue doing, right? Or, yep. or want to do better or more of or whatever. We're going to advise them on how to go about actually enjoying this because you know I've got I've got kids who are more grown now. I mean, they're both in college. Yeah, years are nearly one is and one is almost there. You know, it it can be <laughs> when you're trying to do outdoor activities with little kids, it can be a pretty excruciating experience, especially for a parent who really wants to be out. Uh, it's like a circus. Actually, getting <laughs> right. Yeah, it is like a circus. So you're Fear out there like, advising them on, hey, look, you can still do this the way yeah. you want to. You just need a different type of equipment, and then you're going and selling. So you're yeah. you're giving and all of that information. You're building that community. You're building that audience. And then you're going and then share your story, and then inspire other people because we were inspired. We were actually in the Sierras. The, the idea I think came up on a trail and um, it's, it was in Saddlebag Lake in the backside of um, it's in the Eastern Sierra side, the backside of Tioga pass. Um, we were hiking there and there's a family, we, someplace I hiked to go do backcountry skiing in the summer. And so I have all my gear, like pretty technical stuff. We're out there. There's a family out there with the backpack, with the kid with them out doing they weren't skiing, but they were in this very kind of remote area doing what we were doing. And we're like, I turned to my wife. I'm like, we have to do this. Like, how do we, like, we're going to do this. Right. And so that, that was the beginning of that whole yep. idea. Um, so, so the business grows, the business does really well um, and, it, <laughs> yeah. and, it, and it grows. And then, uh, and then 2008 comes along <laughs> and, yeah, so. and, uh, and, the financial crisis starts to take hold and right. And so uh, take what happened out. was I had a term sheet August of 08 and we turned it down because the, 
but if, if it wasn't great, like the terms weren't like great for our existing investors who were like, eh, it's okay. It's pretty good. You kind of start trying to negotiate with them. Um, and then September happened. And September of 08 is when we had the massive economic meltdown. The And then we're like, hey, how we kind of like our term sheet now. And it's, yeah, it was gone. Like nothing. It was like we all this, we had all this interest. Um, we had that year, I think we had 220% growth. I remember almost exactly the number. I'll tell you exactly our number of growth in Jan in January of 09, which was supposedly the worst retail uh, on record, retail month on record. And I'm in the e-commerce business. We had 190% growth that month. People so are like congratulating us, but we ran out of cash in January. So why, why did you run out of cash? How, how do you how do you run out of cash when you're growing? Because again, th this this happens yeah. in every industry, right? It's how do you run question. out of cash when you when you're growing that fast? We had to buy. So our gross margins were like forty eight percent, which is pretty good for retail, mm -hmm. um, given the fact that. Um, we didn't have to discount that much because we always sold through our stuff because we always had to, I remember uh, the chairman, my board member was like, listen, I know it's uncomfortable, but we have to buy twice or three times what we normally buy every season. And so that was, took a lot of capital to fuel, right? So with the gross margin we have, we need cash to grow because we're buying inventory. We controlled our supply chain. That was a super important thing. We understood delivery. People like our gear consultants would write hand notes and because they talked to these people about what they're doing, they'd write a note and drop it in the box, you know, or send it over to the warehouse and someone would put it in the box and it would go out like that same day. And so those are the things we were doing to kind of build that community. And that was like, um, kind of what at the time Zappos was doing stuff like that too, which mm -hmm. is pretty cool. And so the bar was like really low. It's still pretty low. We were like way above it. So people loved us. Our return order rate was super high. I forget that number. It was just like, a, once we got a customer, they just kept coming mm -hmm. um, until their kids outgrew it. We knew there was like a cycle, right. but, um, but anyhow, um, so the cash drew up, like it, I shut off all marketing and we still grew because we had this organic following and we, we had done a lot of things that I learned there doing, we call guerrilla marketing where we were just infiltrating these groups of people and getting access to them uh, like communities of outdoor people. There were these blogs were starting to become a thing at the time. And there were these communities built and we would, we'd help send them discounts, stuff like that, just get part of the community. So we're getting all this business from there. Um, and it, we kept growing. My terms got cut. Everyone freaked out. So I used to have 90 day net 90, 10% uh, discount net 90. And I had to pay within 90, get to 10%. I could turn my inventory in that period of time, a certain amount, pay cash. Then the rest is all, you know, it was, it was a pretty good business at the time that got really cut back our ability to buy inventory, turn so it. So the 90 day inventory cycle was basically your financing, right? So you're fine. You're self financing because you had that 90 day, you had those 90 day terms, 2008 hit, 2008 hits, banks lock up. 
they pull got, lines of credit. We got Thirty-day terms. We got fifteen-day terms. Right. So suddenly all orders. Your, right. So your suppliers right. pull back on their terms, and you can no longer use the financing Correct. that you were using. And now you've got to go to bank financing. Uh, who isn't lending? Right. <laughs> bank I mean, financing. We're that, in the largest. You know, we're in the we we're wanna, in the largest. Uh, we're in the largest get into financial that. crisis since the depression. Right. They, so they were approving. They approved a lot of loans, and I, I, the, I forget the economic support that they called it. It was just ridiculous. They would approve an loan, and they would require us to put up some, you know, like they're like, "Hey, can you put up a bond for two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and we'll give you the loan?" I'm like, "Well, if I had the two hundred fifty thousand dollars, I wouldn't be <laughs> I asking need the loan." The money. Right? <laughs> like. I don't know how this works. And I went to some retail forum. It was like a big one. For whatever reason, I don't know why I was invited. I got invited. I'm sitting next to the CEO of Kohl's is on one side of me. And the CEO of Guitar Center is on the other side of me. And there's me. They're like, what are you? I've never heard of that. I'm like, no shit you have it. Like, we're so small. Like, we're like a $2 million business or whatever. I'm a guy about to run out of cash. (laughs) And they were laughing, talking to each other. And I'm like, because they're like, they that's exactly what happened to them they're like right. the bank said do you have two 2.5 million and we'll give you the line of credit and we're he's like and i started laughing these two guys were talking about it and they're what are you laughing at he's like they did it to me but mine was like 200k <laughs> like, right. they're like so so it, it this, so this exogenous event hits right yeah and you know, and things like that, like you look at, you know, sort of where the world has been in the past couple of years. And, yeah. you know, we're talking about a 2008 timeframe, but this this scenario is very real to a lot of people listening to the podcast who just went through COVID. I, you know, we're looking at a, a war breaking out in Europe and, you know, all kinds of different things, right? So yeah. what, do you, what do you tell a founder today going through that experience? How do you, you manage for that exogenous that. event? You can't, you can't control. I mean, well, what can you, what, what do you think you can do? Because I mean, there are certain things that are in your, you can't, you certainly can't stop COVID. From, I'm much more, pandemic or, I'm much more fiscally conservative than I was right. Um, in my business now, after I went through that, like, like sweat and payroll is like the worst thing you can do. And right. if you're a founder, you, you did go through it again. You went through it again with the pandemic. Or, yeah, we. I mean, we, not nearly to that extent. Not, right? No, we were really. Right. It, it was like a. It was about a year of like a detraction, and then we had to kind of go through all that. But I was fortunate to be in a space that, after we went through it, everyone's like, "Well, software, I do software, and it's that doesn't stop. In fact, the adoption rate is much higher now for technology, and so." Like I am so lucky to be in the space I am right now because what happened to me and what's happened to other companies, what happened to me in 08, 09 time um, was like, we, we were bankrupt. We went from this high flying company to, we can't get capital. Everyone's looking at each other. Like what the heck's going on? I'm like, you know, they're like, why aren't you guys selling more? Because I don't have inventory. You got to sell it to me, but I can't prepay it. So I can't like sell it what I don't have. You know, and so this kind of ridiculous conversation happens between you and your vendors and that everyone just freaked out. And now that happened to me in COVID, but it came back a lot faster for me. Right. And I also... <coughs> because you weren't on the hook a, for all... You weren't on the hook for all the... I keep what I call an Alamo, which is because I went through that before of like two to three months payroll. Right. So, so that's... 
that's where I was going yeah. with this, right? So, so if you were to if you were to talk to a founder today, because these things can happen, yeah. these things have happened a lot more since 2008, right? We've had a number of different yeah. things that can that can sort of be that external macro event that you have absolutely no control of, but yeah. suddenly a fast growing company comes to a grinding halt, right? But the answer, I think, is keep I, keep cash. Right? Yeah. So I have hoard, an Alamo. I mean, hoard cash. I, Right. Yeah. Cash flow. I mean, when they said cash is king, I learned about a negative cash down cycle. Um, didn't want to learn about that. It was a spiral death. It is like when you <laughs> when you have negative cash flow, it's it compounds. It's not like, and this is the dangerous thing. And this is why you have to be very you have to be very careful about. Okay, great. So I have three months payroll. What does that mean? That means I have like maybe one month really. Right. Because it goes, it you have to start making decisions right. quickly about my plan has to change, and you have to have urgency around that when something like this happens. And so, when that happened, I put a plan together, and I'm like, I have to have this Alamo protected because if I go to zero or close to zero in my cash at hand, I'm I'm at the, at the mercy of someone paying me to hit payroll. And you know, during that time, there's the kind of like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's happened to their business. Like, I don't know when they're going to be able to pay me. So, so, so yeah, you, so. I mean, so the, I think the big thing there, right? The big takeaway is you've got to, you know, deal with a lot of founders all the time that really don't understand their financials, right? They don't understand yeah. necessarily what an income statement really is comprised of. They don't understand their margins, which is, can be deadly, right? And they, yes. and, and they don't understand the balance sheet. And I think, you know, being able to protect that balance sheet, understand the balance sheet, protect that balance sheet with everything you have. And that means making sure that there's adequate cash to continue to operate the business if you've got strong margins, right? And I think that becomes a that becomes a really critical factor, I think, in any for any founder who's just getting going, even if you don't have the a business school education, you can buy a book, you can learn these things, right? Absolutely. You can study the balance sheet and understand how they get connected together. You learn like I I did take finance and accounting in college, but I hated it. I like barely made it through accounting. I went back and take, took accounting again in Berkeley at UC Berkeley when I was selling supply chain, you know, services because it had a huge impact on, on financial impact. I, I started, everything went back to finance and I was like, I better figure out what all this stuff means. But um, I hate accounting, but I know enough that and and the other thing is don't be afraid to talk to your accountant like i went last time i'm like hey this is what i got what do you think did i miss anything am i screwing this up am i missing any like can you just take a look at it and then she's like okay this is good you're fine think it's a good plan i'm like great um i'm not embarrassed she's gonna know at the end of the year what happened like you know we lost you know customers right away and i have to deal with that i have to deal with people and lay some people off and and we thank god we hired them back we we're lucky to do that this was during COVID. so let's yeah, let, let's move yeah so i mean so so now we get through 2008 you've got you know so that tanks you start you yeah. gotta dust yourself off and there's a, <laughs> I was of at zero. that we won't get into now with uh with yeah. that but um so then you then you then you basically start bootstrapping render tribe and render tribe basically comes from 
somebody trying to trying to throw you a piece of work, right? Yeah. I mean, so an investor um, from my last company, upside over, said, "Hey, you're good at this marketing stuff," which I learned at Render Tribe, doing it all for ourselves. Um, can you do it for me? And I'm like, sure. So I started an LLC and I started working. I didn't have any, I just, I'm like cash, it's income. Cause I didn't get paid for a year of from pretty much when the financial crisis happened until finally I exited in September, the following September, it took a year. Winding a company down is not as easy as you think. Yeah. And especially when you're not getting paid, it's, it's really hard to do. I've done it before. It's about the worst job in history. So, yes, you, so, so you get this, but I mean, I think, you know, the interesting thing here, right, is because a lot of people that will listen to this that are considering starting down the road, they don't exactly know what to do. Yeah. Right. But they have a, they have a skill. Yeah. And I think it's, it's easy to overcomplicate starting something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And sometimes you just, just starting like you did with Render Tribe. It was like, okay, well, you know, I just, completely crashed and burned in this other thing. So I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to get myself going again. And you had this skill of digital marketing because you had yeah. another business on it. And it grew. like, we And it grew it really well. Right. And somebody says to you, Hey, can you do this for me. Can you do it? Right. And I think, you know, that that's, a, there's a really important lesson there. there I think for a lot of founders who are getting started because, you know, we, we sit down and we write these giant plans and I've done it. And you've done it, yeah, you know, too. and I can't even tell you like how many times, you know, and you and I together have done it right? yeah. and we've come up with these grand plans and nothing ever occurs because distracting. They're, they're complicated, they're distracting, but somebody says to you, Hey, let's just start, right. Let's just yeah. start and see what happens with this thing yeah. based on a skill. I mean, that's where I started my first company recruiting, right. It's just like, you had to recruit and I want to do something on my own. So I started doing it. Right. And, and you know, there's no business yeah. plan. It was just, I made a phone call and got somebody to give me a recruiting engagement. And, and I, I the- learned, I learned, I'd read this in a book. I forget what book, but um, do what, do what people are willing to pay you for. Yeah. So that's a super important thing. Like I've seen a lot of startups and mentored a bunch of them and they're like, this is great. I'm like, it's great. But I don't know if anyone is willing to pay for that. Like, you kind of need that. Like that's right. really important. I know the rest of it is fun, but that like, and again, like I had learned that. And then I went back to my roots, like B2B cause I'd sold for a long time and I'd been in that space and I knew it and then through enterprise sales. And, and then I took basically what I learned in e-commerce and applied it to everything else. And, and then we started consulting. Um, and and Render, well, Trap is, Render Trap has been a 13-year overnight success, pretty much <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in parallel with, with mine. Yes. Um, so, you know, you, you look back on it today, Render Trap yeah. is in a great place. It's, you know, I'm it gonna, I'll, I'll do the I'll do the bragging for you. I know you're not going to do this, but I mean, Render Trap in the, in the digital marketing space for startups and and in that, I mean, sort of, you know, not not flat-footed startups, no. but companies who have some funding and are really starting their their acceleration. You guys are the, you guys are the go-to firm for some of the largest private equity firms in the in the country. We have some good partners. Yeah, bring, we're lucky to do that. Yeah, right. Bring you in and and set you up and really and drive the digital marketing. And I think that's, you know, so so I mean, if Peter's not going to say this, but I mean, that is what Render Tribe is, right? I mean, they're it's one, marketing they're probably, and sales and the measurement and all that that goes with it. So it's like. It's it's like full go to market strategy and and oversight, as we right. say. We don't so actually build- sell for people, but we help make sure everything's aligned to. 
get the metrics we need in SaaS to drive outcomes. So, so. you've built this really nice business today that's, yeah. that has, you know, become, become, you know, successful, I think by any, by any sort of metric you could apply to an agency. I guess <laughs> you it always feels funny because, and you probably would agree with me. At what point do you say you've been successful? Because there's always this other, we're just never where you want it to be. And part of the reason that someone else would say I'm successful is, is because I'm never that for myself, maybe. I don't well, know. It's, just, it's, 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 the not founders, ever good enough. it's the founder's expectation of themselves, right? I mean, and I agree with you. I'm exactly the same way. And I, and I don't know many founders. Who, I kind of laugh I, when people are like, you're so successful. I'm like, you you actually really don't know what's going on. Well, dude. take it take it and say thank you. Right, yeah. is really all you can do. But but you know the but the expectations that that yeah. founders apply to themselves, it's never enough, right? It's right. You know, there's always a there's always a new level that we can get to. So we always feel like you know there's always that sense of like and th- this almost feeling like I'm failing because I'm not I'm not the largest. I'm not the most profitable. I'm not the yeah. wh- whatever the whatever the standard that somebody there's else. There's something else that you need to accomplish that you haven't done yet. And it, mm-hmm. and I think one of the things I learned, and this is really good for founders. And I remember back, I felt like I was I was trying to get a finish line in my first company. You're trying to find the finish line, right? And then as I started doing this more, I realized you have to fall in love with the process of doing it. And because I was such a basket case at home with my wife feeling like, how are we ever going to, and you know, like, I'm not here. I need to be here and I'm not happy because I'm not here. Well, I just admitted that I'm never happy when I'm here. Really? I mean, I, what I am now more because I enjoy going through the process and being on the journey. And that to me is where I get my, I'm happy about, and if you're just so focused on getting to the end, which uh, you got to an end, which is awesome, but did it feel like an end? I I, I remember talking to you, it kind of didn't for a long time. And you have to then come up with what is my end for yourself? And that is a hard thing to do. Because the founder to, to, is to not- To say I'm out, you know, like, how am I going to be Totally, because a founder is not, a founder is not necessarily- tied to that one business, right? A founder, you know, being a founder for many of us is a career. It's it's the path that we've chosen to live our lives, right? It's a a lifestyle. It's not necessarily a, a, you know, a business. And I think, you know, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think when you look at a lot of startups and, and people who go into a startup because, you know, a VC recommended that this is a good idea or they read a book or they, you know, but there's not that inherent passion it is really hard to carry yourself, carry so yourself through the complete crap that you're going to have to drag yeah. yourself through, right? And that's, yeah. but if you have that love of what you're doing, and yeah. you know, you really, it you gets really, you up in the morning. It, it, it does. It's it's that's the energy to get through the dark days because yeah, there's always a dark day around the corner in this business, yeah. right? And, and yeah, you know, you and so it's funny because when I think back, the highs. In the beginning, you think, I've made it. It's I'm like, this is, oh, but wait a minute. <laughs> then it goes like this. And then you're like, well, well, I, I never knew that it was going to be like this. Because after this came this. And then you're like, they said it was going to be bad. This sucks. <laughs> like, 
sweat and payroll for two people, sweat and payroll for like a hundred people. Like, whoa, like that's like different stress. And you're like, holy crap, or whatever the situation is. I'm just making that up, but not making up sweat and peril because that's probably the worst feeling you could ever have. But um, it's definitely up there. And then laying off good employees, that's the other worst feeling you could ever have. I can't even, I can't get through it without getting emotional. Like my team knows it. And it's just like, someone's got to go help Peter do this or it's going to be a disaster. No. uh, Because I care about it. If you care about it that much, that means that, that's the only way you could be successful if you care about that. That's kind of so, what you were saying too. But yeah. um, so, so there's a couple of com- you and I talked about this when we were prepping for this yesterday. Yeah. There's a couple common, there's really one thing that stands out. I think that's made because again, upside over tremendous success until this crazy event hit. On, yeah. You know, it literally, and, one of our investors said a perfect storm and it felt like I went into the storm. I came absolutely. out and, their boat was crashed and but the same the same the principles led you to be successful in render tribe and there was there was a couple yeah. of things that we talked about yesterday that you know we sort of said yeah this, this common element you know yeah. made both businesses successful what is it yeah it's interesting um every time i lose it that's when we screw things up and it's like focus. And I thought about it last night. We talked, I did upside over and it was starting to get really successful. And we had, we knew exactly what we did well, but all of a sudden we got all these orders from kids that were going to camps. Right. And I was like, Whoa, the camp business, we could do camp business. And we started getting totally, I hired someone, we're focusing, we're reaching out to camp saying we could help supply all your campers with good stuff. And it was just a total misfocus. And it not wasn't, in, it wasn't in your ICP. It just wrecks my whole thing. Right. Not, not part of my ideal custom profile. Same thing in render trad, you know, like localized. We, we have one customer that's a friend. It's like, can you help me? And, it was like, and they're not with us anymore, but like huge scale retail business trying to do localized SEO. We don't do localized SEO in SaaS because it's global, right? Our customers are global. There's no reason to do localized SEO. Um, we did a really good job. Like it worked, it killed it. And we're like, hey, what if we did this and did this? And we're like, it just totally distracted and slowed our growth and it kind of makes a mess. And you mess up your own world. Again, common common denominator not focused you broke away from your icp again exactly right? and but so when you're, we, you're telling the downside yeah. of these things right but yeah. but when i look at this from the outside what you guys have done extraordinarily well i mean you're 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 talking about those exceptions that you made that that, that was the point, loss right? of focus but the focus right. so a key point so greg knows i didn't have an intention of starting a consulting firm and there were years that i would talk to greg about Hey, I don't know what what am I doing? Like, is this? I'm just doing this because I was totally broke, and then it's making money, and my family was very happy that finally I'm making money again. <laughs> and then it's kind of like making money, but not a lot. It's kind of like slowly growing, and and then you know, not until I said, "All right, I'm either going to do this thing or I'm not going to do it." And then when I said, I'm going to do it, um, we kind of weren't very focused and it kind of fumbled around. And then all of a sudden, when we said, 
And a friend of mine, a common friend who hopefully will be a guest someday said, when I started this, you should just do this for SaaS software companies. This is what you need to do. You have the skills, you have the experience. This is what you need to do. And then when I finally did that, boom, it just grew. Well, and then I'll it, add a step to that, Peter, because I know the story, right? Yeah. You started growing when that decision was made to say, okay, I'm only going to focus on SaaS software companies. But then there was another iteration that even got you more dialed in, right? Like, yeah. which was oh, you were great, dealing right. with a lot of, you know, with a lot of early stage SaaS software companies that maybe right. couldn't afford to do what you're doing. So Correct. then you said, okay, you know what? I'm still going to only deal with B2B SaaS. But now I'm going to only deal with B2B SaaS companies that are funded, that can afford to make the investment that we need to yeah, make. They need to be at a place. Right? You just kept tightening that, you kept tightening now, that, that, that grip on the ICP, right? Yeah. And so, narrowing the field, not opening the field to everybody, narrowing no, the field. We narrowed it even more. In fact, the last couple of years, we narrowed it even more to the point where it's like only companies with less than four marketing employees that are B2B SaaS and a new one I'm going to add, I haven't added it yet, but we're going to, uh, with an ARR, MR, MR more than, well, ARR more than 20K. Because when you're under 20K, it's transactional and it's like, mm -hmm. it's, it's SMB really. I mean, it, for the most part, mm -hmm. and it's a totally different animal than what we are really skilled at, really skilled at. So we failed for those. So. Yeah, no. So this is yeah. this is a great point, right? Because I think for a lot of founders, this is a huge takeaway, right? I think for a lot of founders, that addition by subtraction, yeah, is a hard thing, right? Because so many founders that go into the closet, right? And a few things you said today, as we kind of start to wrap this up, you, you know, a lot of founders will do this the exact opposite way that you've talked about it, right? They'll go into a closet, they'll start to build what they believe is the MVP of this product yeah. with not a whole lot of outside interference to your point of like, do what people will pay for. They have no idea if they're going to pay yeah. for it. Then they come out and they try to sell it to the world. Yeah. Right. To the world. And, yeah. And That's I think that, problem. right. And and the approach you're, you're taking here and you're talking about is a, you know, a couple big takeaways, right? One is, one is do what people are paying, like figure out what it is that somebody will actually pay you for, yeah. then go do that thing. Right. Yeah being number one, and then really number two, figuring out what is that small group that will pay you for this thing, right? Not the world, that yeah. that narrow group who really believes and, in, what, in what you're doing and really has a need. And that also goes back to audience building again, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's going out there and knowing your audience. So upside over, you knew your audience, yeah, right? I was and one of them. <laughs> you were one of them, right? I was yeah. one of them. Yeah. You know, and and in and in Render Tribe, that narrow, 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 narrowing the focus, right? That's so that when you can things really went, accelerate. Like it's amazing how much more opportunity we have from focusing on a smaller group of potential target customers that we have. Yep. And let me tell you how, and this is the fear, right? You're like, well, how does this work? And like, how can our sales work? Our sales actually work better. Because we used to chase, we, we use Crunchbase as a data source, we pull Crunchbase, all the fun companies are there. Everyone tells Crunchbase, Crunchbase finds out, boom, they just got $20 million and they're scaling. Great. Mm -hmm. um, 
we used to go after everyone that was B2B SaaS. Mm-hmm. Now our target audience is much smaller, but our conversion metrics are blowing away our averages. Like our conversion on outbound went from like 1% to like 5%. But if we have the dialed group and we can get, we get more results from that little group than I ever got trying to have that little group within the big group, we weren't getting as much closed deals because we're Just- chasing all this stuff. Right, just wasting time. Going right? anywhere. Yeah. Right. Just wasting time. Trying to get it, you know, when the metric is when the metric is, hey, I want to get somebody on the phone and I'm going to have a discovery call, you're going to get exactly what you asked for. You get a whole bunch of discovery calls that people don't buy from you. That's right. Yeah. That's They're right. like, great. Yeah, but you know, we already do that. We have a team. We don't need you. Right. The, my SOWs are, you know, a lot bigger when they don't have a team. So like mm-hmm. yep. you can help them too. And they, yep. they want the help and they need it. And so it's a better fit. So yeah, just knowing so, your ICP is super important. So I think, you know, if I were to, we got to wrap this up. Yep. And I joked yesterday as we, since it's our first forever. edition that will go on and we're trying to keep these to 30 to 45 minutes. I don't even know how long we've been going, but whatever it is, um, we, we said, we said you and I will, will create a podcast. That's just one run, one big long run on <laughs> run three and a half hours. And a guest yeah. will never get a word in edgewise. So, yeah. Um, but when, uh, you know, a couple, couple of big things that I took away from this, right. Number, number one, build your audience first, right. Really understand your audience. Number two, continue to, you know, continue to, well, I'd say number two is, is probably do what somebody will pay you for. Right? Yeah. Under, like really. Focus maybe number on, one, I'd say, then you build num- your audience. Then you build your, what audience. are they going to pay you for? Build your audience and then focus and don't lose it. It's so Nar- easy to spread. Narrow, narrow the focus, right? Yeah. Narrow that audience, continue to want to continue to, to get more yeah. and more targeted, I think is the. Yeah. Is the- and I think there is a point, right? When you're in founder mode, when you're an actual founder, you have to narrow and then keep, it's what you guys did at Checked. Like you, when you narrowed, boom, the like breakthroughs happen, right? More revenue. Checked, checked was the name of Outmatch. Before Correct. Yeah. And when you decided not to do every customer, but customers over a thousand employees, that had a big impact on your ability to get to the next step. Took us a while um, to get there too. I mean, it took yeah. us a while to convince ourselves. There's a lot of fear it's, in doing that, right? I mean, a founders are afraid to do that. It's yeah, you know, it's like, time. well, if I could sell to a million people, why would I only sell to a thousand? Because those yeah. thousand are probably going to buy for you. The million are going to absorb every last second that you have in a day. Right? <laughs> exactly. And I think you know that's the, and you're not going to close at the same rate. It's just about metrics. Like you, your ability to close to people that you are a best fit for is much higher spend as much time as you can in finding out who that is. And sometimes yeah. it's an exploratory process to learn that, which I'm sure you guys went through to figure that out. You have to go through that process and then dial, dial, dial. Yep. It gets better. And then at some point, right, it's going to be beyond me. So Renner Travel keep going in some form or fashion. Someone may buy us or who knows what's going to happen. There's at some point you can expand as you get bigger, right? As you kind of master those things, you can go and expand, but not when you're a founder. When you still call yourself a founder in that business, I don't think, I mean, there's exceptions to every rule, but like you just have to be careful yeah, because you could lose money fast. All right. This is awesome. Cool, um, man. Thanks. And, and just real quick before we wrap up uh, and I, and we, um, you know, we wrap up this edition Number one, where can people find you if they want to connect with you? Um, uh, you can Twitter, uh, 
What's best? Well, I'm on LinkedIn most. That's where my business spends the most time. So it's at Peter M. Dean, uh, Peter, Peter Dean, Render Tribe. If you put that in, you could find me. On uh, on LinkedIn. On LinkedIn, yeah. Okay. Peter M. Dean at Twitter. I'm there, but not there as often. <laughs> super <laughs> busy. I'm trying to do something about that. And, <laughs> I know. Uh, I'm super busy. Uh, we uh, Our customers tend okay, to live so in. Okay, Peter, so Peter M. Dean uh, or Peter... Peter Dean at Peter on, M. Dean and and Twitter. Um, and then uh, I believe it's Peter, Peter M. Dean at in, uh, LinkedIn. But if you look me up, Render Tribe, just Render Tribe, Peter Dean and um, RenderTribe.com is, yep. uh, is RenderTribe.com. Absolutely. Right. Thanks. This All is right. great. Thank you. Thanks, Peter. And uh, right. and Peter, now you'll you'll be seeing him again since he's now our he's now the co-host. So this was just I promise not to talk as much. <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you. No, Peter, for 20 years, that's this promise not going to be kept. <laughs> so, yeah.